Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. All right, it is time for That Davis Show. Uh, we definitely have a lot of sports to get into, NBA playoffs, the NFL season's upcoming, MLB starting to get into the dog days of September. Uh, <laughs> Feels like it. <laughs> right? Uh, we're definitely going to go over ESPN's power rankings of our home teams here and expectations for uh, MVP and Rookie of the Year. Uh, but also, we're going to be joined by Stevie Bias, uh, the executive director of Chicago Action, Votes Action Fund, I should say. Uh, he's going to join us to talk about voting uh, and how voting is being suppressed and what we can do about it. So he's going to help us and, and break that down for us because we always are looking to gain some more information. My name is Kenneth Davis. Uh, you can follow me at That's Davis. The show is, you can follow the show at That's Davis Show, That Davis Show, I should say. And of course, executive producer of everything, the run the only Ryan Bukovsky. You can follow him at Ryan Bisky and on Instagram for the sexiness side of him. Ryan, oh, yeah. The sexiest side. He only provides that to Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, listen, off top, off top. Off top? Uh, listen, I'm happy that my man Alvin Kamara is about to get it paid, but uh, his uh, no holdout, holdout, slow down. Now, this is me being real quick. This is what he said. I ain't never held out in my life, said Kamara, who spoke to the media for the first time since his absence. I came to the building every day. That's all I got to say. Brother, you held out. All right, and it worked. You 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 pulled your services back. All right, I know it was a back injury, quote unquote. Uh, they were going to trade. They were threatening to trade you, so that was their retaliation for you withholding your services. You held out. You held out. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially being a running back in the NFL entering the last year of his rookie contract. All right, so yeah, they're paying everybody. You may as well get paid too. So that was my 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 little thought on Alvin Kamara saying, "I ain't never held out." You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, with your league. You have to do it. That's just common sense. With the NFL, you have to force some teams, especially when you're running back, because they're going to try to just grind you down and then look for a cheaper replacement rather than paying a running back really on his second his second contract. So I'm happy that he got paid, but you did hold out. You did hold out. But like you said, he's got to. He's he got to hold out. He had to. Rookie, was, the running backs, he got to. Dude, they would have – listen, they may draft a running back next year, but regardless, but they would, if he didn't sign that contract – Guarantee they would have drafted a running back higher, probably. Oh, yeah. Like, forget it. Why were you going to – and then maybe they would have franchised him. But still, you guarantee it wasn't going to necessarily work out like that. And you know they don't want to spend this money on Alvin Kamara, but they got Super Bowl on the mind. So they got him. Exactly. And you keep seeing the fact that in their own division, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are just arming up. I'm surprised Adrian Peterson didn't <laughs> up there. Like, they have more running backs than they need. They have all these weapons. So, yeah, you, you definitely, like you just said, Ryan, they had to keep him regardless, and you want to keep him happy, even though he was coming off of a down year last season. All right. My next uh, off the top. Off the top? Um, NFL, I'm not feeling this Celine Dion. It's all coming back to me now.
What? That you guys have been playing with players and different people, lip singing to Celine Dion's song. Your guy, Gardner Minshew's even in it. Come on. I don't like it. Uh, uh, Derrick Henry isn't even on, on the lyrics correctly. You know what I'm saying? He's not on beat, I should say. Uh, no, I hate it. Uh, you can keep it. Listen, I do like them bringing the Lion King into it. And it's just funny when you see Disney and it's just like, boy, you guys, you, you, you own so much of everything. You could just. I was confused by the Lion King. Where I, I was, was that coming from? I was, but it was it was like the gift, the baby. So the, the, did you ever see the. Yeah, they got the Simba camp. Yeah, they got the Simba when he's about to be thrust up when I forget what the uh, what the ape's name is in the Lion King. Rafiki. Rafiki. Yeah, I knew it was something like that. I knew it was funny. Uh, but Rafiki, when he raises up Simba to the pride, and uh, they do that, but they don't show you Simba. But it's supposed to be basically a football being raised to the gods, the god of football. See, I was thinking of the Simba cam that you see in a lot of baseball games, and they all do it like in the minor leagues. You just have the kid, and you hold him up, and they play the La Sabina. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they can hold that commercial. That commercial. Uh, for me, it's kind of trash. So I, I that. Oh man, the hate! Yes, yeah, they got major keys in it. He's online. Okay. Does <laughs> <laughs> nothing for you. Okay, it does. It doesn't do anything. Like you listen, like you said, you didn't even understand why they had the Lion King in the damn thing, right? Like, what's the, what's the point? So no, all right. If you don't understand it, I'm with you. Actually, all right, I don't understand it. No, <laughs> it just I, it just is one of those things. And I mean, I think. Most of us that were, were raised or grew up, rather, I should say, in the 90s, we love Celine Dion, right? We, yeah, we got, yeah, what's the hate? We got, it's, it's, I just, it just doesn't fit, right? It just, it just doesn't fit for me, man. It just, they got Akeem Hicks sitting there. Like, it just, it just doesn't, I'm, I don't buy Ooh, it. You know, let me uh, throw a little, since we're talking football, new song. How about ESPN, they announced new Monday Night Football song, Rip It Up. Versus, what? Let's rip it up. Uh, uh, by Little Richie. By Little Richie or Little Richard? Little Richard, sorry. Because you know, you know what? I should have got you last week. I knew that was Jeremy Grant when you said Jermaine or whatever you said. He was like, I at the end. I would be like, I think that boy's name is Jeremy. Oh, yeah. Bring that over into this. I let that that skate. For no reason. Because you just called Little Richard Little Richie. All right? All right. The Godfather of rock and roll. I am not a fan because I didn't listen to a ton. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm too fruity, Little Richard. I, I don't know all Little Richard's songs, so... I have to go back and check it out. But I know you like it better than Hank Williams. Of course, because Little Richard didn't have that type of hate in his heart. Um, and he, and also, Little Richard should be respected, being the fact that he was one of the pioneers of rock and roll. Rock and roll him, uh, Fast Domino, and uh, uh, Chucky, uh, uh, Chuck Berry. You know, they, so that's good. They should, they should do that. Too bad they did it, and he died this past year. Man, this year sucked. But I, listen, I, Little Rich was one of those people that I used to have to Google to see that he was still alive, and I was—I loved it that he was. <laughs> but no yeah, more. like now, yeah, no more. Now when I Google it, be like, ah, damn it, he did. It was another 2020 hit. Um, but That's yeah, a so lot. That list I'm, is growing. This is going to be a part of the 2020 list. Yeah, man, you know that bomb is about to hit for uh, in 2021. This oh, keep, keep expecting everything to go up. All right, we'll see. All right, like oh man, the rapture. I my last off top. Off top? Colin Kaepernick returns to Madden 2021. 
he hasn't uh, been in Madden since 2016. When they yanked his ass out of uh, fear of people being upset that he was in Madden, he should have already been a free agent. And he's the highest rated free agent in the free agent pool with a rating of 81, making him a top 15 quarterback. I'll tell you this. See, I don't play Madden like I did 15 years ago. But if I was in franchise mode, boy, I would pick him up so quick and trade him. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like, that was one of the things that we used to just always just raid, <laughs> raid the free agent pool, trade them, trade those to get the players that you want on your team. Dude, I would pick – listen, I got love for Cap. I hope they got him on their kneeling. I would pick Cap up so quick and tra- package and trade with him to give me another asset. Respectably, but I it, it would be because I'm already gonna draft. I'm already gonna choose a team with a good quarterback. Wait, team. hold on. Did Madden put in a glitch where no other NFL team wants him because right, uh, right. that's reality? So you they blackballing him. Listen, they blackballing him in Madden. Listen, it, like you could trade the next highest free agent and get like whatever player you want, but then they're like, no, Kaepernick. Look, it, it, it'd be funny if two, uh, several teams lost their starter and a backup quarterback, but they still wouldn't pick up Cap <laughs> due to the glitch. They would pick up the person below Cap. Like, he, Josh McCown would be... Right, there like, we go. Just, you know what I'm saying? Just like, yeah, dude, that... Jay Cutler, Like, listen, <laughs> and then you have Tammy sitting over... Dude, yeah, that would be... Oh. If they did it accurately... Uh, as far as what we believe, as far as what took place with Cap's career. But yeah, that was my uh, last off top. On the other side of this break, we're going to be joined by Stevie Baez, Executive Director of Chicago Votes Action Fund, uh, to help us break down uh, voters, voting, voting suppression, and uh, what we can do to fight it, and also just to educate us. That Davis show. This ball is hit high and deep to left field. Davis looking up. He'll jump and brings it back. All right, that David show right now. We are joined by the executive director of the Chicago Votes Action Fund, Stevie Bias. Uh, follow him at Stevie Bias and follow the fund at Chicago Votes. Uh, Stevie, how are you doing this evening? I'm cool, chilling. So, listen, uh, one, how did the Chicago Votes Action Fund come about? When did it start and why did it start? So, Chicago Votes started back in. Uh, I think we got our articles of incorporation in 2011, 2012, somewhere around then. Um, and basically a bunch of young people wanted to start an organization to give political power to young people. Um, it was kind of this grandiose concept that we're drilling down into some like operational programs now. Uh, but back then it came kind of out of a, well, two things really sparked that. Uh, one, there was a civic health index that was put together by a local foundation in Chicago that said Illinois and Chicago in general has uh, one of the worst participating youth civic populations in the country. Like young people just don't get involved with politics, don't get engaged in civics. And two, 2012 was the first time in I think something like 40 years in Chicago where somebody was going to be mayor whose last name wasn't Daly. Mm. So that index was released around the same time of this kind of political transition moment in the city. So some young people came together like, hey, this seems like a good time to start an organization. And uh, that's kind of how it was birthed. 
What reasons in particular in Chicago and Illinois are young people or were young people not being active when it came to voting in civics? Did you did they find out? Yeah, um, that's a good question. The reasons why are were not really outlined, to be perfectly honest, in the report. But the way that they measured that was by voter turnout, um, the number of people receiving civic education courses in school, the number of people uh, participating in like the legislative process, advocating for laws, holding elected officials accountable. Um, and we ranked lowest in all of those regards. So in order to address that, we started working on laws uh, that we started to pass that made it easier for people to vote in general. Mm -hmm. um, and we figured that making it easier for people to vote in general would ultimately increase youth voter participation. So think we did things like uh, expanded the number of hours that early voting locations were open, expanding the number of days that early voting locations were open. We passed something called automatic voter registration. So every time you go to get a driver's license, you would automatically be registered to vote or anytime you went to go get state benefits uh, from the Department of Human Services, you would automatically be registered to vote. Same day voter registration. So instead of there being this deadline like a month before election day, where if you didn't register to vote, you couldn't vote at all. We made it so you could show up on election day and register to vote um, on the spot. And the most recent thing that we did was turn the Cook County Jail into a voting location. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but it is predominantly young people and people of color. Uh, I mean, people probably know that it's predominantly people of color in jail, in prison, black people and brown people. But a lot of people probably don't realize that that's a lot of young people in jail and prison as well. So turning the Cook County Jail into a polling location gives young people access to vote as well. Um, and it just gives young people interested in general. Doing all of that stuff, we had to write laws, advocate for laws, and ultimately pass laws, which introduced a bunch of young people to that process in the civic uh, engagement ladder as well, if you will. Listen, um, I, oh, please continue. No, but that's it. So, Look, let me ask you this, because I, I want to get to the unlock civics part, because uh, it's, it's really interesting. But I want to ask about the pushback, because first of all, everything that you just said, I mean, I'm, I'm an active voter. Um, this used to be the Dan Davis show, my former host, we always advocate to vote. Um, but what kind of pushback was like from voter suppression? Because I remember being like a kid or a teenager, the fact of getting getting your license and voting being something that certain parties didn't want you to want to take place because they knew that it would be more people voting if you made it easier for people to be able uh, to register to vote. So what's been the pushback from whoever to, to suppress the vote and to stop getting as many people voting because maybe perhaps they're worried about what party they lean towards? You know, that's a really good question. Um, in general, politicians, people who are seeking elected office prefer to know who their constituents are. They prefer to have a good working knowledge of who they can count on to vote in their districts because it allows them to tailor their message to that specific demographic. And it also allows them to work on behalf of that specific demographic once they hold office. 
the more people who vote, the more at risk a politician or any elected official who, the more at risk they are of losing their position uh, because the number of people voting expands, thus meaning the number of interests expand and the number of things that people want to have happen expand. Um, right now, the people who are either explicitly or implicitly disenfranchised are people of color, black people, and poor people. And certain things that are put into place do nothing to encourage those same demographics to have access to the ballot. In fact, they do the exact opposite and they're unnecessary. We don't have a problem with voter fraud in the United States of America. We have a problem with voter turnout. America is the third worst voting democracy in the world. Um, and we disenfranchise more people than any other democracy in the world by way of the legal system. But instead of writing, advocating, and passing laws that would ultimately increase the number of people voting, for some reason, well, for the reasons I just outlined, people are coming up with laws that make it more difficult to vote. Because in order to get an ID, you got to pay for an ID. And that is a voter barrier that's equivalent to a poll tax. Um, to say that you have to come to the voting booth with certain forms of identification that you can't access unless you have money is voter suppression. By not giving people who are in pretrial detention while they're in jail, who still have the right to vote, by not giving them an opportunity to vote, that also is voter suppression. And the pushback we get are around these grandiose things that could potentially happen that ultimately have nothing to do with what's actually happening, which is unfortunate. Hmm. That Davis show right here, we have Stevie Baez, executive director of the Chicago Votes Action Fund. Follow him at Stevie Baez. Follow the fund at Chicago Votes. Look, you just mentioned earlier about turning the Cook County Jail into a voting place, right? Now, did you mean the actual, the, 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 the inmates or people that are in jail, I should say, or actually people that are visiting them? And then also, please break down the, 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 the unlocked civics uh, that, that you posted, that was posted on the site, because it was, it was really interesting, especially when you see what Georgia is doing and compared to what you're trying to get done up here in Chicago. Right. Um, so Unlock Civics is a program that we do that essentially operates at the intersection of civics and America's legal system. Um, we organize inside juvenile detention centers, inside the Cook County Jail, as well as inside prisons across the state. Now, it's important in the context of, you know, getting poll, a polling location or turning the jail into a polling location to answer your original question. It's important to understand the difference between jails and prisons. Prisons are where you go once you've been sentenced. You've gone to court, you've been found guilty, you're sent to prison to serve your conviction, your felony conviction. People in prison don't have the right to vote in Illinois. Uh, there, in fact, there's only two states in America where people in prison can vote, and that's uh, Maine and Rhode Island. Um, people in jail, however, across the entire country have the right to vote if you're a citizen. However, a lot of people don't know that. 
You know, people couple jails into that conversation around prison, so much so that here in Illinois, there were election authorities downstate that were turning people's ballots away because they assumed that they weren't allowed to vote because they were in jail. So we at Chicago Votes, as part of our Unlock Civics initiative, go into the Cook County Jail and register people to vote every month. Pre-COVID, we were registered people to vote every single month. Now, obviously, when you're registering people to vote, the natural conversation that's going to come up is a conversation around how they're going to vote. Um, So we started doing work to make sure that they could vote from inside the jail. And what we learned is in order for them to have a polling machine inside the jail, we would have to write, advocate for and pass a law that would turn the Cook County Jail into a temporary polling location. Otherwise, everybody inside the jail would have to vote via an absentee ballot. Now, there's two reasons why we wanted to get a polling machine inside the jail, as opposed to just having people vote via absentee ballot. One, with a polling machine, you have access to same-day voter registration. So anybody we didn't get to register to vote during those registration drives that we do every month would be able to register to vote at the actual polling machine on election day. And in jail, obviously, this is a transient population. You have people coming in, you have people being released, you have people being sent to prison. It's impossible for us to register everybody to vote in time for them to actually cast their ballot. The other reason is the the logistics around making sure everybody's registered to vote, everybody has an opportunity to request their absentee ballot, and everybody is able to get their absentee ballot is just ridiculous. It makes it very difficult for them to vote. And our organization had to spend probably half of our year coordinating this. Um, But turning the jail into a polling location was hugely impactful. We had our first election where the jail was a polling location in March. And the number of people who turned out doubled uh, as a result of people being able to utilize same-day voter registration. So it went from 600 voters in the jail to around 1,500, and around 700 of them use same-day voter registration. So it goes to show that this is a meaningful like shift in the way the systems were uh, set up. In addition to turning that jail into a polling location, we passed a law that would require every jail across the entire state to give the people detained there an opportunity to vote. And we require every single prison, jail, juvenile detention center, uh, parole office, whatever, to give people a know your rights guide once they're released. So they know that they have the right, right to vote after they're done serving whatever time they have to serve, whether it's in prison on a felony or in jail during their court proceeding. And we also gave them a voter registration form when they got the Know Your Rights guide so they could immediately become an eligible voter. Um, we've done a number of other things under the Unlock Civics umbrella, but I'll stop there because that's already a lot. Look, no, it's not. We want, listen, we want it all. We want, <laughs> being honest with you, this is informative and people need to know this. Look, one thing that you just piqued my interest with, Now, in these other jails throughout the state, will they have to do absentee voting or will they have will they have the voting machine in there? Because I know one of the problems is with the absentee vote of not having necessarily an address and maybe you have to have a family member or like. So how how does that go about in the other jails in the state? Well, all right. So the the rest of the state is not required to have polling machines. Mm -hmm. The reason we did that. Um, for anybody who's listening and interested in passing their own law, 
is we knew that we had the support to turn the Cook County Jail into a polling location, but we didn't necessarily have the support to turn every jail in the state into a polling location. So the way we wrote the bill, we wrote the bill to say in counties where there are over 2 million residents, those jails in that county have to turn their jail into a polling location. And the only county like that in the state of Illinois is Cook County. Um, every other county jail is required to give people an absentee ballot request form and, or at least ask them if they want to vote and then go through that process of giving them an absentee ballot request form and ensuring that they get their absentee ballot. Now, in terms of addresses, we always encourage people to vote from their home address, whether it was before they got booked um, or the address where like they have family members, the community where you want your vote to count, register to vote using that address. And you're allowed to do that even while you're detained at the jail. Some people have been sitting in pretrial detention for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. Those people will register to vote more often than not using the actual jail's address, which is also fine. You know, either way they're voting and their ballot is going to be contingent on whatever address they, they use. Um, so that's, that's the situation with the addresses. It's really not, it's a big deal. You know, some people don't have homes outside of the jail, but you can register to vote and vote using the jail that you're detained at as your home address. Look, let me ask you this. What about the people that would say to you, why do I need to vote? We all have those friends. And how do you, right. you say to convince them? Like there's people, and I, I shake my head. I mean, I, I understand their frustration, but I still know that it's better to have, it's better to participate and it gives me a chance to affect change. It may not be enough change, but it's better to try to affect change than to sit there and complain about it and I'm not doing anything. So how do you convince people and what would you tell people to set voting as a waste of time? Um, you know, honestly, it depends on the mood that I'm in that day. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you're right. Like, I understand people's frustration. I always try to start that dialogue by validating their frustrations and just kind of asking them more questions to understand it uh, a little bit more. And then I just offer them insight on to why as to why I personally decide to vote. Um, you know, me personally, I think it's a great way to be in community with people. Um, it's the way our government is structured. Voting is the only solidified way for we as people to have a voice in how government runs. That's the only way for we as people to get to decide who the players are in government who make the decisions that ultimately do indeed impact our day-to-day -day lives. I remind people that there's more offices to vote for than just the presidential election. Um, a lot of folks get bogged down in voting every four years and Donald Trump and Joe Biden, Barack Obama, you know, these big names when it comes to politics. But the reality is, here in Chicago, your alderman is super important. Your state rep is important. This election, we have a state's attorney on the ballot. 
we have 64 judges on the ballot. And given the context of the political moment we're living in, it's important to vote for those positions. Like the state's attorney gets to decide who to prosecute. So if a police officer is using excess force and ends up killing an unarmed black person, the political office that gets to decide as to whether or not that police officer is prosecuted and held accountable for those actions is our state's attorney. Um, There's 64 judges on the ballot. Judges are the people who get to decide whether or not somebody goes to prison, whether or not somebody goes to jail. And again, in the context of the racial unrest that we're experiencing in this country, that is a very important position to start to curb the trends of mass incarceration that plague black and brown communities. Um, I also just remind people that it wasn't for none that people fought and died for this right to vote. You know, people weren't just doing that for shits and giggles, excuse my language, but like, you know, like my grandma marched, was sprayed with hoses, was chased with dogs, like just so she could get the right to vote. Um, so for those three reasons alone, I feel like that's a stronger argument for voting than any argument against voting. I understand the frustration. I understand the worries around my vote, not making that much of a difference, but those are not arguments for staying home. Those are just concerns. I have ample ammo to prove why voting is a logical decision. Um, depending on the day, uh, you know, it, the tension on the day depends on the argument that you'll hear, I guess. Okay. All right. <laughs> David, so with me right now, you have Stevie Baez, executive director of the Chicago Votes Action Plus. Stevie, one thing, I want to get back into the, the to Chicago uh, votes, but you just piqued my interest with something I was going to ask you sooner or later. You mentioned your, your grandmother marching. How did you get inspired to do this type of work? What, what led you down this road? Um, I think that it was kind of always in my genes. My grandmother marched. Uh, my father is a pastor and one of those like community organizing type pastors. Uh, my mother is a very like pro-black Afrocentric, like fight for your rights, you know, stand up to the man type of woman. I can remember growing up when you will walk into my house in Cincinnati, as soon as you will walk up the stairs to the living room, there are three mirrors and each mirror had a silhouette of, one had a silhouette of Nelson Mandela, one had a silhouette of Martin Luther King Jr. And one had a silhouette of Malcolm X. Um, So just that, you know, civil rights, civic engagement psyche was kind of instilled in me at a young age. I jumped into politics, to be perfectly honest, out of necessity. Um, I really needed a job and (laughs) I was fresh out of college. I had no idea what it was that I was going to do with my life. And the first job I got happened to be a political job. Mm. Um, And after working in politics for a while, you know, I, I worked in think tanks in D.C., I worked in Congress. I've worked on a gubernatorial campaign, a presidential campaign. Uh, I've worked in the United States Senate and the Texas House of Representatives. 
you know, I've been on campaigns to advocate for issues. I've ran programs at nonprofits. And after a while of like kind of just surviving and having had all of these jobs trying to survive in general, I developed a pretty healthy working knowledge of how our political system works. And ultimately was just like, all right, I understand how these levers work. And I do believe that, you know, if enough people started paying attention and participating in this, we could do something meaningful for communities like the one that I come from. Um, and that is really what keeps me going. I've developed into a bit of a political nerd, unfortunately, for some, fortunately for others, um, depending on the days, whether or not I like it. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else with my life at this point. You know, I talked to a lot of my friends, including Ryan, where we just kind of he always tells me like, it's really cool that you get to wake up and do something that you genuinely care yeah. about. Like, you know, like what you're doing is actually helping people. You're contributing to society. Um, so I do feel blessed in that regard. It seems like it would have to be so fulfilling, man. Like, I'm listening, yeah. I, I envy you. Uh, that, it seems so, like to find that and just to grab a hold of it and you know your changes, like, like you said about Ryan, yeah, dude, hats off to you, one. All right. Appreciate it, man. All right. So listen, what can we do to one, what should we do individually and what can we do to help the Chicago Action Fund? Yeah. So, you know, you follow us on Instagram at Chicago Votes, Twitter at Chicago Votes, Facebook, just type in Chicago Votes. Um, we always got stuff popping off uh, and we always talk about it on our social media. We host phone banks and text banks twice a week where we're calling young people, encouraging them to be election judges, calling young people, helping them fill out their requests for a vote by mail ballot, given COVID, you know, a lot of people need to vote by mail. We're making sure people are uh, filling out pledges to vote so people don't forget what's going on in this election. And we're talking to people about what they're gonna see on their ballot. We have Instagram live interviews every Thursday night called Shit Talks, where we have dialogue with um, politicians, activists, organizers, whoever, uh, just giving people a platform to talk about the things that they give a shit about. Um, if you're a creative, um, we have a program that's totally, totally tailored towards engaging uh, creative um, empowering creatives to make their civic voices heard called the Give a Shit Initiative. Uh, is a collective of creatives called the Give a Shit Collective who meet together, come up with ideas and work together to engage audiences. Um, that's how you as an individual can get involved with Chicago Votes. And just as an individual, educate yourself, you know. Uh, there's only nine states in America that require full year-round civic education. So we have a severely undereducated population in Chicago and Illinois and in America when it pertains to civic engagement. Um, so educate yourself. If there's an issue you care about, education, uh, school funding, um, mental health resources, access to fresh produce, uh, defunding the police, 
whatever issue you care about, educate yourself on how to go about making that thing come to fruition. Because the reality is once the election comes and you vote, that's only one thing. In order to really make change in your community, you're going to have to advocate for what you believe in and hold those people who have been elected to serve you as a constituent accountable to the things that you want to see them do. Listen, you mentioned defunding the police. With all the social justice that's taking place, what actions that we don't know about is Chicago uh, voting, the Chicago votes, what, what actions are you taking? Um, what are you doing? Is there anything that's outside of voting uh, that you guys are doing? Uh, where are your guys' stances on defunding the police? Yeah, um, so our approach is split up into four tiers. Um, and the acronym for it is READ. Uh, we register young people. We educate young people. We develop young people and we activate them. Actually, I should say that so it actually spells READ. Register, educate, <laughs> activate, develop. Um, so we always try to use that approach for everything. Um, so as it pertains to an issue like defunding the police, two years ago, our first give a shit happy hour was about divesting from police and investing into education. Um, and that was our education approach. We had a number of speakers, we had an open mic night where people came and started talking about all of these different reasons for why we need to divest from police and invest in education. 80 schools, 80 public schools, predominantly on the south and west sides of Chicago, were closed over the span of a year. Um, Chicago has the most murders per capita of any major city. Those murders are solved at a lower rate than any major city. And our police force is more funded than any city in the country. Wow. So, you know, we have our communities falling apart and everybody knows that education is a, an important component of our communities. That's just one component that is not being well-funded in our communities. Education isn't being well-funded. Mental health support isn't being well-funded. You can't find fresh produce. The roads look like shit. Like the list goes on and on and on and on around the things that are plaguing black and brown communities. But our city officials just keep throwing money at police as a means to like solving these problems. And our argument is that is not a logical solution. Like if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, then you are being insane. Um, and we feel that it is only fair that since the police are not doing their job and these communities are still falling apart and young black and brown kids are still being murdered, either at the hands of cops or at the hands of others who are also traumatized living in these communities, then we need to start listening to what these communities are asking for and instead of putting so much money into the police budget, start putting money into mental health support for our communities. Start putting money into our public education system. Start putting money into investing in local businesses, including like locally family owned markets and fresh produce. Um, 
it's just a matter of opening up one's mind and actually doing the hard work and thinking about meaningful long-term solutions and stop trying to throw a Band-Aid on a problem that is that needs far more attention. Um, and right now, the overfunding of the police budget strikes me as that Band-Aid. Mm, I agree with you, brother. Steve Baez, executive, executive director, I should say, of the Chicago Boats Action Fund is with us. Follow him as Stevie Baez, and again, follow the Action Fund of Chicago Boats. Listen, we'll get you out here on a lighter note. All right, because you brought the power. I needed the power. You brought the power. Also, you got to come back. All right, we may right. have to around voting time. You got, especially, I'll even put it like this. If there's everything that you want to get out there, and I mean, you got plenty of platforms to do it, please, we would like to be one of them. But let me ask you that. Right. Talk a little bit about Chicago's Boats Fashion Month. All right, so let's get the gear out. Yeah. All right, let's get the gear. So, get, so people get out here and get the gear and, you know, get the fun. All right. So break that down for us. Yeah, you know, um, we usually do give a shit happy hours, but because of COVID, we can't do them. And the way our happy hours go, uh, we'll have fashion shows, we'll have barbecues, we'll have open mic nights, we'll have mm. concerts. They're just fun events that anybody would want to go to. And while you're there, you'll pick up some civic knowledge along the way. You know, uh, we'll always pick a different theme. So this fashion month, the theme is going to be around pledging to vote. Um, so our creative have worked with a bunch of designers and a bunch of models to roll out this online uh, digital engagement around, you know, showing off your fashion. And young people love to look good, you know? <laughs> so while we're doing that, we're gonna be elevating the importance of people making that pledge to vote. Um, and by making that pledge, we'll be able to send you timely reminders and get you the information you need so when it's time for you to cast a ballot in this election, you'll be knowledgeable. All because you just came to like support your friends or you came to like check out a fashion show. We're just trying to make politics a little less white, boring and stuffy ultimately mm -hmm. and make it more about the people and relative to the culture because frankly, it is. Listen, are you, you gonna run for office sooner or later? Like how's this gonna work later down the road, bro? How, where are you taking this fabulous life of yours? Because I'm really I'm, Bro, I'm just chilling right okay. now. You know, okay. I'm going to just keep doing the best job that I can do at Chicago Votes. You feel me? And I got you. Whatever opportunities present themselves, you know, I'm going to pursue them. Uh, that's how I've gotten this far. So I'm going to just keep rocking. You feel me? Uh, yeah, man. If somebody asked me to run for office and they got a million dollars to throw up my campaign, then that's definitely a conversation worth having. <laughs> Good, because that's definitely what, again, do your work with Chicago Votes, but I'm sure this future is going to stay bright. I'm definitely proud of you, bro. Keep doing everything you're doing, man. I look forward to talking to you down the line. Right on, brother. I appreciate you having me, man. No doubt, man. Have a good one. Seven. Oh, oh my goodness. How about Davis? Again, taking it in. Springs high and down hard. That Davis show, we definitely want to thank Stevie Baez, executive director of the Chicago Boats Action Fund for joining us. Make sure you follow Chicago Boats and Stevie Baez, all right? Get on, follow them, get on Instagram, get on Twitter, get on Facebook, follow them, support. They're doing good work, especially for people that look like me and people that are in a social economic situation as him, which I am too, all right? It's a rainbow, we're bridging it, all right? Poor people, all right? Uh, none of us are wealthy. 
Uh, so Power to the people, baby. Power to the people, man. But definitely a uh, great get, Ryan. Uh, definitely a uh, very interesting and powerful young black brother. Uh, and uh, Ken, I got to tell you, was a grueling get. Grueling get. Really? <laughs> no, no. Okay. You taking shots at your man? <laughs> no, saying uh, how ironic. Oh, so easy that you, you can connect. Yeah. So anybody yeah. doesn't know, the, these guys, Ryan lived above uh, Stevie in Wrigleyville, and they became roommates. Uh, so that's the that's the, so it was tough. It was tough getting yeah, a hold of his hard. people. Yeah, you had to go through so they had to get to my people. Yeah, that one, I even uh, had people on this one. To say yeah, people, people, people. <laughs> yeah, that one was a that was a really good get. I hope you all enjoyed that interview. Great work from one Ryan Beeski. Uh, but you know what time it is. We're going to go right back to Ryan Bukovsky because it's time for up for grabs. Up for grabs, Ryan. What you got? Mm, I'm debating which one to start with, but I guess we'll start basketball just because they're playoffs right now. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, I guess, the main series right now, the Lakers and the Rockets. That's got the most pub, most press. And it seems like the Rockets got a Westbrook problem in terms of him playing versus not playing with the matchups that are going on. So what, if anything, do you think uh, the Rockets can do with their Russell Westbrook problem? Nothing. It's the this is their fate. And making that deal with Chris Paul, not saying that having Chris Paul was gonna have a different outcome this season as far as contention. But um you traded for Russ. I mean when you see like I think it's like in the next three years, or maybe it's four, but I think it's in the next three years, they owe both of those guys over two hundred and seventy something million dollars, I believe. Look, oof, I believe it. Yeah, dude, like woof. Cause they I believe they're those they're they were two players who due to how well they were playing, both being former MVPs, they got like three-year extensions. Kind of like when we passed, we talked about what, if you extended Zach Levine now, you could give him a three-year extension or whatever. So they were already mm-hmm. in huge deals. And then they got that mega max, kind of what even happened with Chris Paul uh, with the deal that he got down there in Houston. People, what, what are you going to be able to do with that? Um, no, it's, listen, this is the... This is the and it's even worse because Russell Westbrook signed his Mega Max with OKC, so he got even more money right, correct. than what he would have if point. he went Great to point. Houston. Great point, Ryan. Great point. So, uh, dude, you're stuck like this. You know, you're going to have to have Harden go off and the, the bombers start shooting. But, I mean, you're stuck like this. Listen, they're lucky that Anthony Davis doesn't remember that he's a big half the damn time. All right, and just really t- take it to that little uh, team. You know, I can't play center. Right, put PJ Tucker on his tookus. But no, with, with Russ, man, it, it, it's listen. We talked about this last week. We felt like this was the more favorable matchup between the two LA teams, as far as being easier to get past. And um, I know they, they 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 took a game, but it was like as LeBron said, they hadn't seen their speed yet. You know what I'm saying? So now they kind of got their bearings when it comes to playing with the unconventional team. You know, it's like it's like a. Uh, it's like some, a team that, that plays zone. I mean, I'm like a college team back in the, 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 the 80s and 90s where you had a team like Syracuse and Jim Beheim where they primarily ran zone. If you don't play against zone regularly, it takes you a second to kind of uh, uh, get used to it. You know what I'm saying? So um, I feel bad for them. I still feel like out on the op, I kind of still feel like the other series is the one that deserves all the pub because that team, and I mean the Denver Nuggets, they have enough talent to go at the Clippers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they have enough talent 
to go at the Clippers. I don't think they will beat the Clippers, but the Clippers don't always play with a sense of urgency. And it's been like this this whole year since with low managing and players being injured and even how they got into the bubble. If the Clippers play with urgency all the time, it'd be difficult for any team, any team to take a series in the NBA from them. Uh, but still, so again, Russ, you chose, listen, this is the life that we chose, to, to quote an old rap quote. All right, this is the life that we chose. You chose to go off Russia. Daryl Morey doubled down on it uh, when he, he traded away that center, and he, he said, all right, that's Tony, do, do go full that Tony. He said, full that Tony? Full. Mm-hmm. Nothing I couldn't even do when I was in the Phoenix. Full that Tony. <laughs> right? So, hey, that's he's playing this wicked style of basketball. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't have any faith in Houston being able to take this series away from Memphis. You know, I had a thought, and I want to know your thoughts. If, let's say, the average – star like him without minutes restriction is playing about 32 minutes to 35 minutes in a playoff game. What about maybe lowering it down to like 25 minutes and playing him heavier in the second half? So it's hard and starts with more shooters, maybe can build up a lead. And then when guys are getting more tired in the second half, Mm. Westbrook's more fresh and you Mm. just tell him go for the hole, go for the hole. Because clearly when he was going to the hole early, he was met by AD and LeBron. It wasn't going too well. I think it's a good idea, um, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's a good idea. But I don't, I don't know if how much rust do you really get if you're not just letting that horse go. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I, But I, I think it's a pretty good idea. Because, I mean, if you kind of remember, in a way, they staggered Chris Paul and uh, James Harden. You know what I'm saying? Like, Chris Paul would kind of run the second team Stay in, like they one would stay in and, and kind of be with the second team or whatever. So Chris Paul could play more point guard basically since James mm-hmm. is primarily the point guard of the Houston Rockets. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a good idea. I, don't, I still don't think they will win. Um, they, listen, as long if they're if they're bombing for three, I'm with you. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 you can beat anybody damn near if you're bombing for three. They're bombing for three, yeah. But like if they're having a bad shooting, if they're having a bad shooting day. And you're basically going like Westbrook crashed, crashed into the hole. And as you said, he's he's meeting, he's meeting the length because we forget about all the length that the Lakers have, and not just the two players you mentioned, but Javale McGee and Dwight Howard. Um, yeah, like um, I, I, I mean, you got to try something, but I don't see it. I, I don't see anything in the future that's going to uh, help uh, the Houston Rockets defeat the, the Los Angeles LeBrons. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to be able to beat the Lakers, especially, like, how LeBron was playing head down and AD was, you know, he's still doing that AD, I'm a power forward, like, wing type. But he was actually getting in the post and doing some stuff, too. I know the last game he was. The game before, it was kind of like, well, wait, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, again, I don't. I don't see anybody except maybe the Clippers stopping LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't. You see, listen, he, he was very disrespectful in how he was swapping uh, Westbrook's balls away. Paul. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that one from the last game, when Westbrook was coming with, for, when, with the layup, I, I don't know if he did a, a Euro step or not, but LeBron timed it so damn crazy. I mean, you could see LeBron when LeBron's his head is. I'm gonna I'm gonna catch that bad boy up there, and it's like two seconds before Westbrook has even had to lay, lays the ball up. He he was setting it up to, to smack that ball. It was very disrespectful, Mr. James. I'm, I am I am pleased by your disrespect to say the least. <laughs> Let's move on to my next up for grabs, and it's uh, 
It's a ratings question because mm-hmm. we got uh, opening of the NFL this Thursday with the uh, Chiefs and the Texans. It'll also be game four for the Lakers and a game potential six with maybe Giannis coming back if the Bucks find a way to beat the Heat in game five. Let's say that plays out that way. Which one are you going with, football or basketball? You can only choose one. I'm probably – I got to look at that. Um, I got to look at some of that football, buddy. It's been, oh! It's been a long time. It's, I mean, it's, I mean I'm going to – to be honest, I'm going to record – I'm probably going to record all of them, all right? That way, You're going to watch all of them, but in this yeah. hypothetical. So, what, you said there's going to be – give me that rundown one more time. I'm sorry. So, Lakers, Rockets, uh-huh. game four. Let's okay. pretend – the Bucks are going to beat the Heat in game five. And that sets up game six with Giannis maybe coming back in that. Uh-huh. So those would be the games Thursday on the NBA side. Dude, dude. NFL. It's, it's, not a, it's not a chance. When Baby Goat is taking on Deshaun Watson, I'm going to be watching Bum Ankle Giannis get beat by the, by the Jimmy Butler's. All right, it's not a ch- listen. It's not a ch- that series was over before y'all. I know Giannis went off that last game in the, the, the small amount of time he started the game, and then Chris Middleton appeared. I don't know where he's been at. Who is this dude over here? Right? Yeah, right. Oh, Giannis! I'd be like, who is this man over here? Where he been at? I mean, where have you been? Like that man was on a mission, and in that mission, guess what? I'm still not watching that over. Maybe <laughs> go taking on the shower. Are you crazy? What if uh what if the Rockets are up two one and two, the Lakers could fall to three and one? Two words, baby. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, sir. I'm gonna be watching bad football because there's no preseason. All right, rust and all. I'm gonna be watching. I'm listening to LeBron Houston series. I'm with you, right? I'm I, that one. That one. I, I may be going with that one. But if you think that I want to watch and get mad at what's taking place in Milwaukee. Because that's another thing about that Milwaukee series. And Megan said we didn't think they was going to beat the Heat. And in, in round one, we were like, yeah, it's a wrap. The Heat take, are taking them out. I'm not saying like we were the only people that said it. I mean, a lot of people clearly had that same thought. But mm-hmm. I love Giannis. Who doesn't? I hate watching Bucks basketball because it's like, so it's, it's over, huh? Right? Like, so... It's a wrap, y'all. What y'all gonna do about it? Unless uh, Chris Middleton is left alone, then suddenly dude, he can beat the Heat. Dude, I mean, he was getting it how he wanted it, all right? He was getting... It wasn't just my man is just... But my man was... He, doo, doo, doo. he was getting it. He went to... He didn't just go into his bag bag. He went to the bag inside the bag in that, that last game, dude. If he... Listen, now, if he... If that's where he's gonna stay at, I'm all in with Bucks basketball, but we know that's not what Chris Middleton no. said, right? So probably not. I'm going. I'm going football, but I take it from your face that you're going basketball. Uh, I mean, okay. So if it's just going to be over with, and it's just Rockets Lakers because the Bucks get eliminated, I'll probably lean more more football because it's not an elimination game. The only thing. I know. I know you're giving me that that D face. Oh, it's D <laughs> the <face>. only thing. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Uh, the only thing I will say. Shout out to D. Because see, okay, uh, this is really tough. Football and basketball, especially when you're talking basketball playoffs and start of the season football. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more of a toss up, but I think I might still go football. 
But if there was enough drama in basketball, uh-huh. I would consider it. Listen, when you just said, all right, if if the Bucks are out, you're leaning football. The Bucks are dude, I am not here for this Milwaukee foolishness. All right. No, it's it's there's not I've, enough with Lakers Rockets. I need I that get, potential get that. Giannis coming back and the Heat are reeling. Let me let me ask you this. And I, again, it's not his ankle isn't broken. At what point does it and I know that they, they have chance championship aspirations, the Bucks. At what point does it make sense to be pushing Giannis because he is the franchise? You know, and again, I know there's been no medical, there's been nothing that they've said medically that says, like, this could be a career-altering injury. Um, It's just a sprained ankle. But it harkens back to Detroit Grant Hill playing on a bad ankle. Kevin Durant, even. Yeah, and never really, it won with Kevin Durant, and never really be, listen, when you bring up Kevin Durant, there was, there was a, Misinformation about where whether or not it was his Achilles that was messing up. And they were saying it was a calf, even though the Achilles is attached to the calf. And uh-huh. we when we when that Achilles snapped, we all knew it. We were like, damn it, they got it, right. So at what point is it like, you know what? It's more important for us to have you as as our, our breadwinner for the foreseeable future. And we, and we don't know how foreseeable that future is with his uh, impending free agency after next season, I believe. Um, or I don't know if it's next season or the season after, but it, basically he's getting to the point where he has to tell them, listen, I'm, I'm not going to be here, so you guys are going to have to do, make, get something. He's a free agent for the summer of 2021, I believe. Okay, so yeah, after next, after next season. Um, yeah, dude, I, 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 that's, that's my concern. And listen, and I, I, even more, I don't want to watch a game where he's, he's, get, he's hurting himself further again because I have an affinity for Giannis. Uh, now, I could just be – listen, I could just be wrong. And he could just be a guy on a bad ankle, which, you know, plenty of athletes have played through uh, having sore ankles or not. I could just be wrong, but that's one of my considerations that I just want to put out there. No, I think that's important to point out because they definitely need to be worried about Giannis and not winning it because are you really even going to win it this year against one of those West teams? You're not. You're not. Even with a healthy Giannis. Dude, there's a good chance they can't beat the Celtics. Yeah. Right? There's a good chance. Listen, the Raptors are getting them a run for their money because they know how to defend against him. Yeah. They don't have Kawhi, but they they were, they were the guys that were showing us to build the wall in the first place, basically. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, I mean, it's not a – even if they get past the Heat, it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to make it to the finals. Um, and so, again, my major concern is his health because we – listen, me and you said it. We said it before – the playoffs started, there was concern, and we said that they weren't going to make it to the finals, or if they did, they weren't going to win the finals. But we really said they weren't going to make it to the finals. And, and, and having that feeling, then I don't want one of my, my favorite players uh, risking a further injury. And again, I could be wrong. Let's move on now to full-on football. And you said foregone conclusion. Yeah, baby, it's back. But let's see how excited you are. After Thursday, when all we look forward to is Bears football. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky named the starter. Last mm-hmm. time we spoke, we didn't hear about that. So if you have any thoughts on him, but what are some of your predictions for the Bears looking Predi- ahead? Predictable Mitch being named the starter. Um, I, I, kind of, I probably lean that way. Uh, with Mitch being no, no, no. I'm saying, what are your predictions for the Bears? Um, what are my predictions for the Bears? Yes. Nick Foles will be your quarterback sooner or later. 
the Bears' running game is going to be bad. Bad if David Montgomery was healthy, uh, but their running game now with Montgomery not being healthy, them not adding anything with like, dude. And I know not to. I know he doesn't fit the system, but I'm kind of I'm kind of tired of hearing that. Uh, that, it, that harkens back to uh, uh, um, to Mike Marks uh, trading away. Um, what's the, the the what was the uh, oh Greg Olson? Yeah, Greg Olson. Thank you. Trading away tight end Greg Olson because he doesn't really use tight ends. Tight ends are just another glorified lineman in his system or whatever. Um, we don't need talent. Get him out of here, right? Like that type of talent. And I mean, he wasn't what he became when he got there because Greg Olson no. down. If you blew on him as a bear, he didn't play like a tight end. Yes, thank you. Rugged. A lot of people uh, forget Greg Olson wasn't probably going to be Greg Olson if he stayed here. Right. He he changed when he got he got more rugged when he got there because you could do like this to Greg Olson. He'd be like, Nyeh. yeah, thank you. Should have broke that tackle, right? Like, thank you. And, um, but yeah. And the fact that Adrian Peterson went to the Lions and you guys didn't offer him like, hey, dude. Come here and run for a few weeks, right? Like, like dude, it, it makes no sense. And again, you probably wouldn't have gotten Leonard Fournette come here when he could go to a team that's going to possibly win a title or at least be in title contentions, which you would hope the Bears are, but they don't look as good as the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. Um, but yeah, their offensive line is going to be sh- shoddy. I mean, again, I'm not making this without seeing any preseason, so I could definitely be wrong when it comes to the line. I hope. Uh, uh, bringing in Castillo is going to definitely infuse something into that line. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely find out. Uh, I think the defense is going to be good. Of course, that's, it should be. But I think with, with having Quinn on there, if he stays healthy, if, if everyone stays healthy for the most part, there's going to be more pressures and there should be more interceptions. This ball should be coming out uh, tilted, padded, or too or rushed. Uh, so maybe Eddie Jackson had one of those bounce-back years because we had the question a week or so ago about uh, Eddie Jackson. So... I think that's really going to be – it's going to be a lot of last year, but I do think at some point this season you're going to get better quarterback play when uh, Nick Foles comes in. Even though, listen, maybe Mitch uh, be decent. I mean, he he is a Lions beater. Uh, but, like, the last year, think about how many games that they faced the Lions and Matthew Stafford wasn't even there. And I know, Both of them. I know he's played against Stafford with his record being what it is, but still, we'll see, man. Like, this – I don't have this feeling that I probably had a few weeks ago for this team because I still think they're being arrogant. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still think they're too busy into trying to prove I'm right. And I'm talking about Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy rather than let's get these W's because fundamentals always work, man. Like, you, it's cool to shoot threes. Man, you better be able to knock down that two. You know, like, you better uh-huh. you better be able to consistently score. Uh, so, and, and I mean that when I'm applying that to the running game. Let me say that. I'm applying it to the running game. You better be able to run because you got three and out quarterbacks. I mean, both of them, but in particular, Mitchell Trubisky. And you listen, you're not helping Mitch. Like that's, if y'all want Mitch to win, help him win by getting the ball out of his dang hands. Right? Uh-huh. It's common, common sense as far as what could really help him. You know what I'm saying? Like if you got, dude, really talk about RPOs, right? You, you do. I, well, I, ain't, I ain't worried about your running back. We keen in on that damn quarterback and make sure he don't run outside the pocket. Now, you got a dope-ass running back, right? So now you sit in there, you put the ball into the pouch, take it back, your quarterback take off. No one's paying attention because that running back is such a threat. They keyed up on the running back. And it's just simple stuff like that that can just help Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles that, to me, they refuse to do when one proven that David Montgomery is the right running back. And I'm not saying he's not. 
I think, and I've always said this, he's very tough. Uh, he goes at it. He, he's not a punk, and he's not a quitter in that David Montgomery. That's from everything we knew when he was coming out of college about how mature for his age he is. But there's nothing wrong with having another running back in the room that's a threat. Everyone, most teams have tandem running backs, and I'm not including uh, Tariq Cohen in this because he's not a guy that's going to run through the tackles, between the tackles. So you, you should have another legit running back. There should be those two guys in David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, or whoever little kid y'all want to have around there, not being disrespectful, whatever uh, undrafted free agent y'all want to have in there. And there should be a vet, right? Some guy that used to be dope as hell, but now he needs about eight carries. And some games, because someone's hurt, he can go back in his bag and do what he did five, six years ago. Like, there should be someone in that locker room similar to that because you've seen that, one, you're running back, your star is injured, and two, Tariq Cohen is not that type of cat. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I did my Bears preview for We Are Regal Radio. Go check it out on the website. Definitely. Uh, Yeah, like – I think there's a lot of optimism for the Bears this year, and I I can understand that. I personally think Mitch will be more like 2018 than he was 2019, but even in 2018, that wasn't that great, and it depended on the opponent and depended on the game because you could definitely look at certain games and be like, whoa, that was no good. And, you know, I think the tight ends got a little bit better. Maybe they got a lot better. I think they got a lot better. But I I think think they they got got a lot better. But in terms of what we'll see right away, I don't know how much better they've gotten. You're talking about a rookie and a guy in uh, Jimmy Graham that really – he was average. I mean, he posted what the Bears did at tight end Dude. himself. Straight, yeah, but you couldn't even count on your – Oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying yeah, anything negative. And, again, I'm not, and, I, and, I, and I don't take shots Demetrius at you. Harris, too, yeah. is really yeah. nice. I mean, just looking at the room now, there's a Hall of Famer, even though he's over the hill, right? There's right. a young guy with potential – all right, that was one of the top tight ends in this last draft. And then right. you have Demetrius Harris, a guy that knows Mad Nagy system from Kansas City. That tight end right. looks a lot better than Trey Burton and a bunch of uh, guys that maybe play special teams. You know what I'm saying? Like it's Oh, yeah. It's I just could see a scenario where they're more similar to 2019 in terms of that tight end room. Not going to be as bad, but if, let's say, Cole is injured or something like that and you're relying on Jimmy Graham, and Demetrius Harris doesn't really give you that much, suddenly you're back kind of in a, a no-man's land at tight end. Well, I hear you. I'd rather have this. Uh, by all means, I'd rather have this tight end. Oh, yeah. Without doubt. I'd rather, like, I'd rather run some of those dives that they ran <laughs> Trey Burton with, with Jimmy Graham, even though Jimmy Graham's a larger target. So it's not like Trey Burton is who could basically disappear behind the line. Um, but still – uh, dude, but that might be beneficial just in itself. Yeah, I, I prefer to have – and, and one thing, too, I'll say this much, another reason why I like it. Because they're not really asking Jimmy Graham to be out there and be really an inline blocking guy, all right? Because that's when you got Cole Komet here. Because the thing about it, if they, if they would have just brought in Jimmy Graham, then I would have a big issue with that locker room, right? But sure. Brought in Jimmy Graham, and then you drafted this talented rookie – all right, who's who's more of a, a Gronkish type of guy as far as being a guy that can block and could fit on out there and catch. Now it makes me think, okay, you're gonna be using Jimmy Graham for what he's good at, all right, and that's to being that 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 guy that's running up the seams and you're not gonna be trying to turn him in, in his old age into somebody he's never really been. So sure. that's why that's even another reason why I really prefer this this room than the rooms they had in the past. 
I guess I should rephrase. I think it's a better room. How much better is the question? How much more improvement is there? Uh, listen, if the rookie's good, it's significant. I mean, yes, if I the think so. Good, if he's it's, good, it's significant. It's significant. Because then, and listen, at one point during the year, if he's really good, those are receptions you could take away from Jimmy Graham. And I'm, not, I'm saying that in a positive way, kind of keep the old man fresher. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah. If to me, good, it reminds me of a rotation. Like, Cole Komet, if he's your ace, it puts everybody else in line. Like, Jimmy Graham's a two, Demetrius is a three. If he's point. not good, you maybe move him up into roles that they can't quite successfully do. Great point. I think the defense is going to be pretty good. I got a little bit of a worry at that other cornerback spot, but I think that they'll be fine overall on defense. I like hey, that. Hey, Chris Gamora's on the streets. I don't think Nobody they want him. him Nobody picked him up. I don't up, think right? they want him. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be he's got to be on the cheap cheap right now, brother. You, I know. I got a sandwich it for you, sense. African Prince. Could you, <laughs> do you, do you want to come and put like I'm just saying. you don't have to start him, you know? Right. Like you can just put him on the bench. You do. I love it. Yeah, you may as well break Prince Hukumor back into. The Why not? Oh. At least you know he won't get beat deep too. Right. So again, you I think Prince Hukumor played his best football of his career as a bear. That's from when he was a giant. So, what was he with the Jags before he got here, or Carolina? Yes, he was whichever, with the Jags. He was with the Jags. Listen, I think I remember him being drafted. I remember when seeing Jason Pierre-Paul throw that poor man into a, a cold bath disrespectfully while Jason Pierre-Paul was in his draws. Right, disrespected this man. Right, <laughs> and how Giants waited for him to really pop. Chris Mukamura played his best football as a Bear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It always would have been cool if he was. The, the slot guy, quote-unquote, even though speed-wise, I don't know if that's really great for him, but it, it was always cool if he was a third guy, but he he played really good at times opposite Cal Fuller. I agree. And he stayed healthy with the Bears. That's probably good a big point. reason Great why. point. Great point. Uh, yeah, my concerns, though, still offensive line. Uh, I just mentioned how I think Mitch is going to be more like 2018, but that might be just running the football and being effective because he's actually imposing his running will on teams like he did in 2018, unlike 2019. That's the other thing too. You mentioned about the run game. That's, that's my big thing. You've got to have some kind of run game with Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback and Nick Foles. So Nat, Matt Nagy was the guy I pointed at as being, he's got the most on the line this year. If you're going to be this guru and this play caller, uh, let's see it. How about? Right. I can't, I'm a Nagy fan. I used to say I love him, but you're right. This is a year to prove your your quote unquote genius. All right, and partially you can do it by sticking with fundamentals, but you, this is a year to prove. Yeah. It. And listen, there's no excuse. There's not the same excuses. Well, I'm hamstrung by this quarterback because clearly you had an option of selecting who his replacement slash backup was going to be at Nick Foles. So now when Nick Foles is in the game, if he's sucking. And the play call, is it beneficial to the team? That falls upon Matt Nagy's uh, because you can't use Mitchell Trubisky and his lack of breaking down coverages as a reason for your failure right. as coach. And if you stick with Mitch, you decide to stick with Mitch. That's mm. not on anybody else. But what, dude, let me ask you this, too. Man, what if Mitch plays good this year, right? And, dude. <sighs> yeah. They, listen, yeah. and let's say he plays good. And they don't. E- they're not even intelligent enough to hit him with a, Bo- a Bortles deal, right? 
Like they legit get him a cop. <laughs> right? Like I'm don't, talking like a hundred million. Because then you already know it's like, oh no, we're stuck with the, yeah, he was cool last year, but it's this roller coaster ride because you don't believe he can he can sustainably play at a high level of football. Like he's giving us no reason to believe that. How about this, Ken? How about he ties a Drew Brees record of some kind and then they just <laughs> sign up to this big ass? I told you. Brees, I told you he's our Drew Brees. <laughs> oh, man, dude. It, it reminds me of Phil. Well, it doesn't even remind me of Phil Emery because Phil Emery didn't draft Jay Cutler, but Phil Emery didn't right. to resign Jay Cutler. You know what I'm saying? It was one of those things like, what are you doing? And so, like, he could have just franchise tagged Jay. Uh, but yeah, like that, I will tell you right now, that's probably, and I hate to say that, that's probably my biggest fear. That's probably, because then I know as a Bears fan, I'm stuck with, and it's nothing like being a Bears fan, know you're stuck with mediocrity when it comes to the quarterback position. Because that, oh that's how we live in Chicago land, right? It's, it's the only drug available at the store. <laughs> directly in my vein. Doc, if you ever, if ever in our lives we had a quote unquote Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the city of Chicago. A franchise quarterback that's actually a franchise quarterback? Dude, he, he no no man would have owned the city like that man if that man ever put No man. I'd be selling that so hard. Like, you want to be like a quarterback god a little bit? Win in Chicago. Yep. You'll really feel that. Dude. That'll be felt. We've Listen, we, uh, the closest thing we had – uh, was Jim McMahon, who's injury prone, right? So right. He, he really didn't get to, even though he was he was hugely popular, he didn't really get to own it, own it. Like if they, the Bears would have went to two or three Super Bowls with him at the quarterback, and he right? In two of them, oh, it would have it'd be nuts. It'd be nuts. So there'll be a street named after. You're right. You're definitely right. I mean, dude, like it's 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 so time, dog. I I just hope after next year or after this season. We can just get us a QB. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God, yeah. Maggie can take this young piece of clay and just mold him into whatever he thinks is quarterback. And we can have something to like – Dude, imagine being a Bears Bears fan and turning on Sunday games knowing your quarterback is probably going to score. Right. Like, I can't imagine being a Packers fan in this, like, last 20, 30 years. Like, every Sunday we got a shot. Right. Legitimately, right. we have a shot. I don't care who we're playing. We got a shot. Facts. Oh, like that must be amazing. I've never felt anything close to something like that. Like the Bears, it's like every week, like we have to convince ourselves how they're going to win. Like, well, they're going to run the football. They're going to play some good defense. Might, uh, get a turnover or two. Oh, my goodness. Good Lord. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you, man. Like, it's just, I mean, I think this is how we've lived. Like, I, I know. I, I haven't even really. It's all we know. It's all it's we all know. All like, dude, like you just said, imagine being a Packers fan knowing every, dude, imagine being a Packers fan knowing even if your quarterback is having a bad game in the fourth quarter, he could turn all, he could right. turn, and that is, it's been proven. It's He's known as Hail Mary Rodgers. He still has a <laughs> shot with one freaking second left. Exactly. Dude. He's done it to us. Like, dude, oh, my God, it would be crazy. Like, we have had MJ, so we know what it's like to have the best player in the league, and we can always go back in our basketball lores. Like, at least we had those MJ years. Yep. You don't have that at all. With Like, even the Sox-Cubs, they have 
you know, that, that championship run or they've had some Hall of Fame players mm-hmm. and some, some very key some positions. Yes, 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 yes. Bears, I mean, it's just defense. That's it. Yeah, and running and running back. And running back. And, and the running back. back. When mm-hmm. the NFL doesn't run the football. <laughs> right. It's like, what do we do now? Like, oh, man. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring that out. Uh, my last quick up for grabs. Tom Brenneman, back in the news. Tommy, 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 racist? I mean, not racist. Yes. Slow Tommy? Yes. I mean, yes. Tommy, Tommy. Are we Tommy or are we Tommy? I, I, I know the you- blank capital of the world for Tommy. <sighs> and we're just going to focus in on that blank for a second because mm-hmm. allegedly from the horse's mouth, that's the first time he ever used the word in a new New York Post tell-all that was written. He had never used the word in his life. Just happened to get caught on the mic the one time he used it. Can you believe the odds? Uh, and Vogue had a song, and it went something like this. Lies. <laughs> lies. Like, dude, listen, I don't know. I don't know who decides that the first time I'm going to break out the slur is at work. Right? Like, right. Where In front of I'm like co-workers. At, yeah. Why, and, and bro- on top of just not working, broadcasting a game, Right. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm big going to love this, right? Listen, I've been, I've been thinking about it. I've been kind of debating, should I do it? Forget it, guys. I'm going to go ahead and say it, right? Like, that's basically my- like he was having a great Thursday night. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, man, you know, my, my kid said something really great. Oh, I'm having a great day. Got my favorite spot. I'm going to let it fly. Right, dude. So, like, I mean, so one of the things in what we're doing is we're trying to process this logic, right? And so it does, and in that process, it doesn't make sense or rhyme the reason. So I believe he is effing lying. Uh, what was he supposed to say? Like, man, I say that sh- all the time. Like, what? what day of the week is it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was he supposed to say? Of course, he's gonna come up like, I don't do that. I'm like, listen, I, but don't I, you think you have to get a little believable and not say it's the first time I ever used it? Like, listen, that's trying to save my job. I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to work, man. They out here killing me, man, the LGBT. I was Mr. Red. I was right? on NFL Sundays. Man, you guys are too PC. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Well, because then, listen, dude, if he would have been like, I said occasionally, that deep dive would have been like, whoa, 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 So when did you, who said this in your household? Because listen, where, where is, where, where's, the, where's his, his parents to come out like Riley Cooper and be like, we didn't raise him like that? Oh, his dad did come out. He was I like, oh, I didn't know. we've never heard. Yeah, because uh, I think it's Marty Brenneman. Yeah, the he's, former announcer. Uh, yeah, he was he's like, oh, I can't believe. Like, it was basically like, was go- I can't he- believe he said something like that. Because yeah. that, that's not who he is. He's not oh. that type of person. Okay, listen, it's okay that back when he was growing up in the 60s and 70s, that slur was okay to use, even though it was wrong. All right? I mean, it was wrong to me. It was, it's like that until... To two thousands, basically, uh, we've we've we pretty talked, much we talked about this on the show. Um, but at this, dude, dude, in this, in I don't even say in this environment in twenty twenty, what business is your grown ass professional, grown ass in general, but grown ass professional during a effing broadcast have for using that? Even if you were in a break, why would you do like if there's no there? And then it makes it even more ridiculous this would be the first time right now we haven't heard anybody and maybe their their fear of retribution as far as if uh if they come out and speak as far as uh, the people that are in the truck at the game and or the people that are back in the station 
uh, that the producers in the, uh, of the, that, that broadcast, uh, they've heard him say it, but I don't know if they would come out and say it in fear of perhaps uh, losing their job or something happening. Mm-hmm. So no one's come out and said this is something he says all the time, uh, but no one's come out and said it's not something he says all the time either. As far as my knowledge, I could be wrong. Yeah, I haven't heard any character references for him yeah. too much. So uh, again, to me, just I'm, just go somewhere, bro. Like, cause it was so unnecessary. Again, it was so unnecessary. I know. Like, <laughs> don't you just kind of look both ways? Like, if you were going to say the f word, right? As like a broadcaster being Tom Brenneman, and then you're going to drop just this slur. Like, oh my gosh, there's like, there's no way you can defend it whatsoever. Right. And like, listen, in that op-ed, did he break, did he break down the city that he was referring to? And, and I don't believe so. And why did he feel that it was okay to, to, to make that statement about that, that statement about that city? Um, like that, that, so like, where, where were you going with this again? And the see, the question is, I would love to know who he was talking to, what producer or who he was talking to, and I would love to talk to, uh, to that person and see what they have to say. I might be just a director, you know? That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Or, or a producer. I would love to know. And, and listen, do they have conversations like that? Because it, it just seemed, it seemed casual. You know what I'm saying? It seemed, oh, very. It seems so casual that it seems like that's how we get down. Uh, so, yeah, I don't. Lies, lies, lies. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. Tell me mm. lies. Tell me, tell me lies. Goodbye, Tommy. Tommy. Yeah, hey, it's good. It was good knowing you. It's like Eden Smith's uh, 50s, right? He, he, I hope he's stacked up. Listen, he'll be back someplace. I'm sure some minor league team needs somebody to uh, broadcast some games. But, uh, yeah, he'll be back someplace. <laughs> Look, to be honest with you, he may be back on major television. Um, they, they may sit there and let him chill out for a year and then give him another job someplace. Well, he did mention how if he ever gets back into the booth. So, supposedly, he kind of feels the, uh, the heat of this. But we'll see. Oh, he he's 56, Ryan. by the way. Ryan, yeah, I, I was 56. Uh, I should have just said it. But Ryan, um, listen, what's he gonna say? Yeah, I'm gonna be back, y'all. I know y'all gonna bring me. Back. <laughs> yes. Hey, if you're gonna please, lay it on the line like that before, please, sir, can you please put a little porch in my hat? Like he has to play it off. Like I mean, you're right. He has to yeah, say it. Like, but like, I could see it. Like in this current climate, moving forward, I think there's a chance he could be. A, Done, done, though. At least um, with major. They may love that. They may love that stuff in Cincinnati. It's, it's too close to, to the South. You never know how they feel in Cincinnati. It's a black man. I know they. Oh, they might. They be. And I know it's the Queen City. Joke. <laughs> oh, man. Was he talking about his own hometown? I was about to say. <laughs> Thommy, Thommy, Thommy. Oh, Thommy, you silly Thommy. Um, well, oh, man. before we go, go we got to talk about your kids. First of all, before before we get to my kid, we got to talk about this um, this uh, ESPN power rankings for the MLB. We got the Dodgers. Oh. We got the Tampa Bay Rays, number two. We got the Oak- Oakland Athletics, number three. Cleveland Indians are number four. They need to change that name. The Minnesota Twinkies, the Twins, are five. <sighs> the team that name should not be mentioned on this show is number six. I don't know if you know which team that is. Yeah, what team is that? Is that the, the Strohs? The San Diego Padres. Oh. The team that should not be mentioned, and his name should not be said. 
New York Yankees are nine. Oh, I get now. The Braves are eight, and the Chicago White Sox are nine. The Strolls are ten, and the Cubs are eleventh right now. Hmm. What are your thoughts on the, the the breakdown of the power rankings from ESPN? Well, uh, I like who they have at the top. They have been the best teams. I would say the Dodgers are are the team I'm most worried about if I'm any other team in baseball in terms of playing. Uh, Cubs, specifically, they are really faltering, especially if you, Darvish, or Kyle Hendricks aren't starting the game. And so, I don't know. They might be – and they might still be ready for a little bit of a slide. I am surprised. Uh, did you say the White Sox? Because I don't remember hearing them. Yeah, they're number nine. Number nine. That's a good spot for them. But I think they might be too low mm. right now. Mm. They might need them, to be a little bit higher. I would have them. You got the Braves right above them, the Braves and the Yankees. I kind of feel like the Sox are better than the Yankees right now. I mean, with all yeah, the I agree. Yankees have. Um, I kind of feel like they're, they're better than the Yankees. So that definitely be good. I mean, the Sox needed to beat up on a bum uh, after uh, losing that series to uh, the Minnesota Twins. So we needed the, the, the Royals and the Pirates to provide us with uh, easy action. Uh, well, the Sox, they're not, uh, they're not losing to any team that's worse they're, than them. One thing that they used to do in the past that they're not doing is playing to their competition. Like you just said, the teams they're supposed to beat, they're whooping them. It's the teams that have the pitching and the, the, the hitters that, again, the Twins and the Cleveland of uh, a uh, baseball team that are doing them. And that Cleveland team and that rotation is fearful. I mean, it's fearless. You, but they did lose uh, Clevenger. Uh, yeah, but they got, they got so many of them, dude. They got a lot. They've been tossing them away for the last year and a half. <laughs> you thought it was like, it's a wrap, right? And it's like, nah, we got, we got no, dude. But they got no offense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, they dude, can't figure so that out. That That's definitely interesting. We definitely got to do some baseball. We got to do some baseball in the upcoming weeks. Us with us getting closer to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean we're getting playoff time, and yeah. at this point, I don't know if it's even possible for the Cubs and the Sox to not be in it. Uh, no, I mean I the think White Sox are at ninety nine point nine, and the Cubs are at uh, ninety four point seven. Oh well, I got right here on ESPN. The Cubs are ninety four point. What? That's what I'm looking at for playoff probability. Yeah, and MLB standings playoff. You know what? Let me wait, wait. Let me. I've had this uh, link. I had this page open for hours. I wonder if it changed. Uh, hold on. Yeah, get those up to date, up to date numbers. Oh, no, mine's is, mine says playoff probability for the Cubs mm-hmm. is ninety four point six record. I got three and eighteen playoff probability ninety four point six. Week rank five, ranking seven. This was a wow. You hear this, ESPN? You got inconsistent numbers. <laughs> I got ninety six point seven still. Okay, okay, that's that's wild right there. That's that's wild. For me. Wow, can't even stay consistent. The only team that I'm seeing hundred percent is the uh, Dodgers and the Rays. Yeah, they've hit a hundred percent. I'm happy for. I'm happy. You know what? If um. If if one of our teams doesn't win the World Series, I'd be happy if the Tampa Bay Rays won the World Series. Even if the I'm A's baby. Oh, Oakland that's A's. why you had. I used to like Oakland back in the days. Listen, I like Billy Bean. Uh, so it's all good to see them uh, when they're playing well, especially with that small market that they're playing in and the lack of funds that they have. So yeah, I, I kind of the A's are cool with me. I have no problem. But I, Tampa just 
It's just I, I got a soft spot for Tampa too. Yeah, I would just like for them to finally get one. So all right. Uh, Today was the beginning of uh, school for some schools here in Chicago. Um, so of course it was remote learning time, and my first thought was these kids need to be back in school, and I really need <laughs> to do as much as I I will have to do probably tomorrow. Uh, when it comes to Kelsey and how many hours they have for her in pre-K um, and trying to work at the same time. Um, but I know, I mean, you know how we feel about COVID. And, 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 and yeah, I'm joking. Uh, but it's just one of those things where, I mean, once she transferred schools, so it's not like she really knows her classmates. Like, at least in March when they shut it down, she knew all her classmates, Right. So now she's in a situation of these are faces on the screen, let alone she wasn't going to have the same teachers. If, we, if, she, if they were going to loop her teachers at her old school, we would have kept her there perhaps this year. But the problem is when school opens back up, Kelsey's old school and Kenton's school let out at the same time. So it was like it, she was probably going to end up going to his school sooner or later. Uh, but since they weren't going to keep those same great teachers, it, didn't, it, it wasn't as appealing. Um, so it was just time to move over to Kenton's school. Uh, but yeah, dude, like this, it's just a lot uh, to the teachers hats off uh, for, 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 for all the work you're trying to put in. Uh, but man, it's, I can't, I'm, and I hate to say this, I can't wait. And it's not because I want my kids out from up under me. That's not the issue. It's just one. So they're back in a familiar setting, especially with her. She's developing during this, uh, this type of setting. Uh, Kenton got into gifted uh, this year. Uh, he was all oh, great. Yeah. Kenton's in gifted. But he's now he's in gifted and he's doing it remotely, you know, so uh, it's the hands-on perhaps experience that you would have with a teacher. Uh, but, yeah, it was definitely something. Uh, after kick tail today, I mean, she, man, it's, if I show you the stuff that's around this house, uh, that she built walls with posters for them, she made out schedules. Uh, oh, it, nice. It hats off to my mom. Mom did her dizzle. All right, like she. Oh, nice. She, she. I mean, it's not like oh, this, this isn't her. That's who she is in general. Uh, listen, I'm happy that I don't have to do some of the stuff that that's like okay, this is in your department, this is in my department. I'm happy that I'm not a single parent. <laughs> 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 oh my god, it would be hard. It's, it's hard enough being a parent, man. It'd be hard for me to have to be in charge of everything. All right, like, oh, man, hats off to all the single parents out there, man. Uh, I'm getting uh, this visual of you and the single parents all crying when kids go back to school just because they get to go back to school. Right. Unlike <gasps> traditionally, like, you're leaving me? No. It's like, oh, my God, they have a place to go to? Thank right. goodness. Right, dude. So definitely uh, it's going to be interesting because last year with Kelsey, she only had one hour of school, a class. I mean, and the, the kids – when some kids never showed up, like I, I went on field trips with her. So I, I know how many kids, I think they had about 16 kids. Now, I don't know if some kids didn't show up that day, but they had around 16 you know, kids in that class. She, on, on high days where there were, you know, because usually it'd be like seven to eight, maybe nine kids would show up regularly, probably seven to eight. And then some days it would jump up and maybe 11 kids in there. But there were like five to six kids that never, and the parents couldn't do it. I'm not, I'm not saying it in a mean fashion because, I mean, I'm lucky enough. We're lucky enough to be able to still work and also try to make sure our kids are all right with this. So it's definitely a, a blessing. So you can't just, oh, you need to be doing this because I don't know that person's situation. Uh, they may have to go to work to keep a roof over their head. Uh, grandma may not necessarily be tech savvy. 
especially if you're talking about with a four-year-old or three-year-olds, where a lot of times you may have to, um, you, you have to be next to them to one, make sure they're doing the lesson plan and they know what they're doing. Like you're co-teaching uh, with these kids. So uh, again, I love being at home with my family. I'm not, I can't stand these people. It's not like that. But yeah, I, I do look for the day when they can kind of get back to some normalcy or when it becomes hybrid. Uh, just so they can get used to being around people. Like Kenton's, a te- he's about to be a teenager, a preteen. Um, he needs to be around people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Being in his room uh, half the day in town. But yeah, man, I can't, I can't wait. Uh, shout out to all the people that don't have kids. And I love mine. I'm not even saying like I don't want my kids to be here, but I see y'all. I see you. Well, I'll take the shout out, Ken. I'm see, I see y'all it. saving all that money. <laughs> Doing what you want to do whenever you want to do it. Uh, it's, a, it's the price we all got to pay. I know, right? It's <laughs> so hard, so hard, so hard. Uh, but, Life's always an adventure. So listen, uh, we definitely want to thank uh, uh, Stevie Baez, uh, the executive director of Chicago Action Vote, Chicago Votes Action Fund. Let me get that correct. Uh, follow them in Chicago Votes. Um, terrific interview. We look forward to talking to him down the line. Uh, we're trying to give you some stuff just as far as to kind of pique your interest. Uh, it's not sports related. And if you don't like it, sorry. Um, I can't, we, we, I, I'm not me. We can't make everyone happy. <laughs> like, so uh, we, no. we like to make as many people as possible happy. Hopefully that's the goal. If 2020 has proven anything, you can't make everybody happy. Right. So yeah, we're, we're going to do what we're going to do as we seek out and try to see where we're going to go with this show. Moving forward, Ryan, again, a uh, great job. Uh, please support us. Um, if you, there anybody that you want us to interview, shoot us a line. Uh, or any subject you want us to kind of tackle, shoot us a line. We appreciate uh, you doing that uh, moving forward. But uh, definitely stay safe out there. Um, m- please um, be diligent with your kids and it's class stuff. Um, now, the, before they weren't um, marking these kids absent because it kind of happened so fast and e-learning was brand new. They had the summertime. So now... They're marking these kids absent, so please stay up on it. Uh, get your stuff out because I know it's, I know it's daunting, but please stay up on it. Um, hopefully, for any parent out there that needs more devices, they got them. I feel sorry for the people with. I got two kids. Imagine if you got three or four, and you're trying mm-hmm. to get all at the same time. Multiple grade levels. Yeah, with different yeah ex- exactly. Like how, like so, it's a lot. But yeah, please stay on it, uh, and please just stay safe in general. Thank you.